0: Episode 72 of Glitch Report. My name is Nitwit. Thank you so much for stopping by, saying hi, kicking it with me today on the stream. The stream of dreams, the show of shows, and everything in between. We are live over at twitch.tv slash nitwit, G-N-I-T-T-W-I-T-T. You may also find this uh, podcast on YouTube, the video version on YouTube. Thank you for checking out my YouTube channel. And for those rocking with me in your... Your Beats by Dre, your AirPods, your Sony's, your Sennheisers, uh, hell, maybe you're using some JVCs. I don't really care. If you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, you're okay in my book. So thank you for checking out the audio version of the show. Um, I'm your host, Nitwit. I'm. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I just want to say, first and foremost, I do not have horror stories of massage therapy uh, like I did uh, last week, though I was in a mall during a Black Friday weekend, and coming out of my time in the mall, I thought to myself, man, I could really use a massage. I'm all tense. I'm all sore. I could really use a massage. So uh, maybe we'll have more horror stories of uh, massage therapy uh, sooner rather than later. But this week will not be that week. Instead, this week, primarily going to be talking about video games. I have finished Control. We're going to talk Control later on in the show. I have also been playing El Paso elsewhere. Where else? But El Paso elsewhere also been playing some halls of torment plus i'll just say this at the top of the show um i have been invited i i my request has been accepted i've been invited to play the suicide squad uh closed uh beta testing closed alpha testing whatever they're calling it um it launched uh this morning at 6 a.m pacific standard time i was not awake to do it so i have not played it yet. I also can't talk about that game even if I wanted to, like it's legal documents and all that stuff. Um, So I'll be playing Suicide Squad in the very new future, but I won't actually be able to talk about it, though I imagine that once the game comes out, I'll be able to share uh, my experience with the beta uh, well, I mean, once the game's out, the game's out, right? I'm not a lawyer, so if uh, if I do get sued into oblivion, just know that um, I always knew that the, the good folks at Warner Brothers would sue my ass out of existence, um, you know, get uh, fucking, you know, prosecuted by Two-Face, Harvey Dent, some bullshit um, just for trying to play some damn games. But anyways, Suicide Squad, the closed beta alpha, whatever they're calling it, I should have read the email more closely, but I didn't. I just said, give me the link give me the code. Let me play this game. Um, and I have actually not had a chance to play it. So that's what I got going on. And um, let's kick things off with news. Again, no no goofing around, No, no storytelling. Let's just get into it right now. And this is an interesting article. You might be doing some holiday shopping. I know I am. The problem with holiday shopping, at least for me personally, is... I am guilty of spending a decent amount of time, energy and money on myself. I've definitely uh, get myself a little treat here and there, a little, you know, something here and there. I mean, uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about my Black Friday games purchases in a moment, but uh, I'm guilty of it. I, I can't help it. But um, there's a report that just came out about, uh, you know, what uh what gamers you know and what what kids and 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 gamers and and what sort of game related stuff people are asking for this year for christmas and 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 the holidays and so forth and this is a this is data that was collected by the entertainment software association your friends and mine over at the esa and um they have some new data showing what kids want for video games in terms of video game related gifts. The data shows that kids don't want new games or at least they don't want new physical games though I imagine if you're going to give somebody a present and I'm guilty of this i've I have definitely uh, f- first and foremost um I primarily play games on Steam on PC and I have definitely gifted friends digital games because you can do that on Steam through friends and all this stuff. so I've definitely been like here you go. Here's a game that's like showed up in your email. I- I'm guilty of it, but um, kids probably aren't checking their emails. They might not have emails, so the idea of giving them a digital game uh might be a little bit harder to do so. um, but it seems like most kids don't actually want physical games this year. instead, they are looking for digital currency and video game subscriptions. It seems like you know. When it comes to digital currency, that tells me that a these kids are playing, um, you know, only a, a, a small selection of games, right? They want their V bucks. I, I mean, I got V bucks, I got V bucks for Christmas, my birthday. No, it was for my birthday. I got Chris, I got V bucks for my birthday, V bucks for my birthday, and um, and that's cool. I got, I mean, hey, I spent that, I spent that V bucks. I actually. Got into Fortnite for for uh, for a moment there, playing some Fortnite. Um, you know, bought me bought me a John Cena, uh, among other things. Um, but what it tells me is that if it's digital currency, um, that it could be currency for games like uh, like Roblox, like Minecraft, like uh, Fortnite, and for subscriptions, I mean. How many kids are really out there playing World of Warcraft? Right. So I imagine that for subscriptions and I'm just kind of spitballing here. We'll dive a little bit more deeper into it. um, In just a moment. But to me, digital currency says uh, currency for select games and subscriptions are things like PlayStation Plus and Game Pass. And and I'm going to say right now, if you're balling on a budget. If you are, if you're, you know, thinking about getting video games for kids this year, I still think that if you got an Xbox Series S with Game Pass. um, You know, especially considering uh, a lot of the free to play games like Fortnite uh, are don't require Xbox uh, Xbox subscriptions. uh, But if you got a kid something like an like a like an Xbox Series S and um game pass i think they would have more games to play than they know what to do with but again we are seeing this trend of of people playing potentially uh, kids included playing less and less games um as as the years go on right kids are just playing fortnite or minecraft they're not necessarily playing through 10 12 20 different games throughout you know throughout the year um as perhaps with years past um now, in, uh, in 2022, 90% of video games sold in the UK were digital. Um, it's not surprising that few kids are asking for new physical or Xbox, a uh, few new physical games. Um, but what might surprise you um, is how most kids just want V-Bucks or in-game subscriptions. So um, the data shows that uh, gifts uh, to kids 10 to 17 years old in the United States are asking for... Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Let's see here. Uh, according to the ESA, the most requested gifts were video game related, uh, according to uh, int- according to this data. Um, making up 72. So, so of the of the kids here, I'm trying to get this data correct. So between kids 10 to 17 years old, 17% of, uh, sorry, uh, between 10 to 17 years old, 72% of the kids that responded to the survey um, said they wanted something video game related. The split was 86% of boys and 59% of girls asking for video game stuff. Um, Game subscriptions was 39%. uh, Then in-game currency was 29%. And then 22% was uh, actual physical games. Kids are like, yo, dog, I want Starfield for for Christmas. I want forza motorsport for uh for the holidays and things like that um the problem is is that uh there is no clarification on what game subscriptions are i can obviously tell you yo v bucks are in-game currency the problem is that there is no um clear uh, definition of game subscription. So it could be game pass. It could be PlayStation plus, but there are also subscriptions, monthly subscriptions that people can do for Roblox, Fortnite, and grand theft auto online. Though I'm going to tell you right now, listen, I played grand theft auto at a young age and I turned out okay. eh? ish. Um, that being said, if you are a 10 year old playing grand theft auto online, uh, Good luck to you in the rest of your life. That's all I'm going to say. So, anyways, we'll just kind of kick things off, uh, talking about the holidays. And it seems like kids, video games, um, they're looking more for V-Bucks and Row Blocks dollars than they are Halo, Starfield, and uh, so on and so forth. That's all the most hard-hitting news. We have actual uh other hard hitting news this article uh, comes to us from video games chronicles as always shout out to video games chronicles uh rockstar the company rockstar speaking of grand theft auto uh the rocks rockstars co-founder dan hauser i almost said dan Housen for a moment that'd be funny i bet dan Housen could make a video game i bet dan hausen make a f- you know what before we get into this i'm just gonna say um most video uh, most wrestling video games are bad most wrestling video games are terrible uh we know this uh from pretty much every wrestling promotion that ever had a video game uh you know whether that be wcw ecw uh, uh tna had a video game at one point um Former Impact company, now known as TNA again. TNA had a video game. WWE, AEW. If we've learned anything, is that most wrestling games that try to to simulate the playing of wrestling video games are bad. And what I'm here to tell you is that they should they should let Danhausen make an adventure game. I want uh, I want an adventure game where Dan Housen walks around backstage uh, at an AEW show talking to people, you get dialogue trees, you can curse people, you can make decisions. You know, it'll say um, fucking, uh, you know, Paul White will remember that or, or some shit after talk. Anyways, uh, <laughs> not to confuse Dan Hauser with Dan Housen, um, but that's my idea. The AEW should make an adventure game where you play as Dan Housen. And you talk to people, um, rockstar co-founder, Dan Hauser's new studio has revealed its first two projects. Um, so the rockstar was, was kind of founded by two brothers, uh, Dan and Sam Hauser. uh, Sam Hauser is still with the company, but it is still a pretty big shakeup to have the two founders of. One of the most successful video game companies of all time kind of split off and and do their own thing. it's kind of like the cohen brothers uh for for my film buffs out there and what we're seeing right now is you know absurd ventures is the is the new company, and they're referring to themselves as a transmedia company and it seems like they're doing things beyond just games um there are going to be uh two they call boy. This seems either ambitious or it's vague. I can't tell the difference, but Absurd Ventures, which is, uh, you know, founded by Rockstar co-founder Dan Hauser, has two projects underway. Um, the first is called American Caper, which will begin life as a graphic novel. I don't know if it's going to be a series or 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 what. And then they also have a project called A Better Paradise, which is an audio fiction series. Um, I, I don't I don't know what an audio. F- I'm assuming it's a podcast. I'm assuming that they're going to do some sort of like audio podcast or, or, or something like that. Um, they do offer some, dis- uh, uh, you know, kind of summaries of what these projects are. American caper centers on two normal, badly damaged American families in a world of corrupt business, inept politics and bungling crime. Um, Absurd Venture says they also said that uh, a better paradise is described as an existential uh, suspense thriller set in the near future. Um, The 12 episode series is being co-produced by QC, uh, uh, Q Code uh, Media. Uh, You know, they're not the only people that are, um, you know, working on on this stuff. Laszlo Jones and uh, Michael Unsworth are also working with uh, Hauser at Absurd Ventures. Laszlo Jones, um, you know, a big part of Rockstar for 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 years, as well as Michael Unsworth. So some big names from Rockstar leaving. Uh, to form absurd adventures, uh, sorry, absurd adventures, and work on this stuff. According to the website, the company is involved with the creation of games, film and TV, animated series, audio fiction and comic slash graphic novels. We are building absurd adventures to create new universes and to tell great stories wherever and however we can. So I don't know if by universes they mean that everything that you know is a better paradise this uh you know existential near future suspense thriller supposed to take place in the same universe as American caper I I don't know um but I mean hey listen like you know these are you know like and, and when we talk about what Sam and Dan Hauser uh have kind of done right um they've primarily written a lot of the stuff uh for Rockstar so they have written uh you know Grand Theft Auto they've written Red Dead Redemption they wrote Bully they also wrote Max Payne 3 and um here's my thing here's my thing if Red Dead Redemption 2 never happened I don't think they split up I don't think they I think Dan Hauser would still be with um Rockstar today if Red Dead Redemption never happened as a Red Dead Redemption 2 specifically because the thing with Red Dead Redemption 2 the writing in that game is so unlike anything that Rockstar had done before it is the most personal it is the most touching it is the most thought provoking it is the most ev- like emotionally evocative um and well written like it's not just that it's good it's that it touches on like what it means to be human In a way that no other Rockstar game, even Red Dead Redemption one has done before. So if I'm if I'm the guy who wrote one of the best video game stories, one of the best video game protagonists, one of the best video games of all time. Yeah, I could see a scenario where, you know, I form a company and it's all about storytelling, regardless of the the way they tell stories. Right. If they're going to do a podcast, if they're going to do a graphic novel. If they have stories to tell, I could see this uh, potentially being a really big thing. So Absurd Adventures, uh, look out for Absurd Adventures uh, soon. No word exactly on when to expect this stuff other than 2024 for both American caper, the graphic novel and a better paradise, the audio fiction series. Um, speaking of Grand Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto trilogy, if you don't know, there were a lot of Grand Theft Auto games on the PlayStation 2. When we talk, there were more than three, but when we talk about the Grand Theft Auto trilogy, we are talking about Grand Theft Auto Three, Vice City, and San Andreas. That's kind of what we refer to as the Grand Theft Auto trilogy. It isn't three, four, and and five, or, or or whatever. The trilogy is three, Vice City, and San Andreas. Now those games were remastered and and basically put together as the trilogy, the definitive edition. You can buy those games. On PC, you can buy them on PlayStation and 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 PS Five and Xbox and all this stuff. Okay, um, and I don't know. I'm gonna go to Steam. I eh, you know what? I'll go to PlayStation. You know they always say fact checking ruins podcasts. It completely destroys the flow of a podcast. But I'm gonna double check anyways. Okay, so. It'll probably be on sale if it isn't on sale at some point. But um, you can go buy the Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, the definitive edition on PlayStation. It will get you um, all three games. You cannot buy them separate. At least it doesn't seem like you can here. You'll get all three games. The point is, is that there's going to be another way to play those games if you want. Because they are coming to Netflix. I'll say this again. Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, the definitive edition. Is coming to Netflix December fourteenth. Um, now you might be thinking, "Nitwit, Netflix has games." Yes, we've talked about this before, and I know when I when I actually re- started to see some of the reception to the story, a lot of people were like, "What? I can play Netflix has games? What the fuck? What is going on? Right? How do I play Netflix games?" Well, I will say it again because Netflix has done a poor job of doing it. If you have a Netflix subscription, you can play it on your Android device, you can play it on your phone, you can play it on your iPad, whatever, right? And it and it will support um controllers as well. So yeah, you might be playing iPad on like a you know, you might be playing Grand Theft Auto on like a 10 inch iPad, but you can play it on a controller if you would like. And there those are coming for free as part of Netflix's kind of growing uh games library um they also talk about their, you know, uh cloud streaming stuff but December 14th you can play GTA 3 Vice City and San Andreas on Netflix Dragon's Dogma 2 The sequel to Dragon's Dogma now has release date. That is March 22nd, 2024. They had a showcase showing off more of the game. And there's really two things to note here. March 22nd, 2024. And also Capcom is referring to this as a premium game, a premium like next generation game. It is going to be ten dollars more than their past games. So. You know, in, in the United States, Uh, Street Fighter and Resident Evil were 60 bucks. It is going to be a $70 game this time around. And honestly, I think it makes sense. People are in Dragon's Dogma. The first game had such a was such a slow burn in terms of positive word of mouth that Dragon's Dogma is probably hotter now than it was when it came out. So the timing is perfect for this sequel. I think people are really excited for the sequel. I am not the biggest Dragon's Dogma guy, but then again, I've never really played too much of it. I did briefly play a demo of it, Um, but it seems like. You know, this is hot, and I think it makes sense to strike while the iron is hot and uh, make that game a full price game, so not much else to say the action rpg sequel coming out march 22nd 2024 i forgot to add this uh to the show we'll quickly cover it now so sony is as we talked about working on a variety of live service online multiplayer games including the last of us multiplayer game that may or may not ever see the light of day at this rate and One of the things that they've been working on is a horizon massively multiplayer online game. Um, and there was a report that kind of talks about more of that game, but with that report coming out, Sony has now announced a strategic partnership with NC soft. If you don't know NC soft, they are a company that has a lot of expertise in, uh, kind of massively multiplayer online games. Um, a you know they are the they're the arena net people so they do games like um uh G- guild wars for example lineage uh they also have done city of heroes city of villains they are a uh a you know kind of expert in these uh online games they're also working on uh throne and liberty um just to just to name a few they also did WildStar. I mean, WildStar is maybe not the best example because it's not around anymore. But Guild Wars, Guild Wars 2, Lineage, uh, two to name a few. So Sony teaming up with the uh, Korean, uh, giant when it comes to uh, online uh, games as part of a strategic global business partner. Um. It was claimed at the time that the project, uh, this, of course, being the Horizon MMO, um, would be developed by the South Korean company behind the Lineage and Guild Wars MMO series and target the global market as part of Sony's push into live service games. Um, So basically confirming that NCSoft is handling the development of this Horizon MMO. Uh, Jim Ryan said, uh, I guess as the door was hitting his ass on the way out, uh, Jim Ryan said, Partnering with NC Soft advances our strategy to expand beyond console and broaden PlayStation's reach to a wider audience. Uh, bu- 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 uh, like uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment, NC Soft shares a similar vision creating high quality, impactful entertainment experiences for players everywhere. And together, we're excited to collaborate to push the boundaries of gaming further. Sony recently confirmed that it had uh, halved the number of live service games it's planning to release by March 2026 from 12 to six. But here's the thing, if there. I think this game comes out sooner than we might think, I'll I'll tell you why. Sony is is, is struggling with kind of an identity crisis as relates to how it's going to get these games out, how they're going to be monetized, how they're going to be sold. What's going on, right? I think if you were to hand off development to uh, somebody like like NC soft, I think they take a lot of the risk. But I also think that they already have a good idea of what works and what doesn't. Guild Wars is still going. Guild Wars 2 is still going. So I actually think that, like, there's a very good possibility that this Horizon MMO comes out sooner than we think. I'm not saying next year, but I could see I could see sooner than than you might think compared to. Stuff that is in what feels like development hell, right? I think that Naughty Dog are not experts in multiplayer online games. They're not experts in in constantly evolving, you know, live service games. Uh, Bungie is NC soft is say what you will about the quality of those games. I think uh, Guild Wars one is a hell of a game. I think Guild Wars two is all right. Um, And say what you will about Destiny and and, and Bungie and stuff like that. But I think there is a very good chance that um, sooner rather than later, uh, some of these games hit. But I would not be surprised if they start to come out more frequently from the companies that Sony has partnered with rather than Sony themselves. Uh, Unity is planning on cutting 265 jobs as part of a company reset. Uh, The interim CEO says further structural changes are coming soon. That is about a 3.8% uh, reduction in global workforce. The uh, the deal was struck after uh, Unity acquired Weta's, uh, so basically, here, let's go a little bit back. The layoffs are related to the termination of a professional service agreement Unity had with digital effects company Weta FX. The deal was struck after Unity acquired Weta's technology and engineering division in December 2021 for $1.625 billion dollars. Uh, Unity's uh, quarterly earnings report this month confirmed planned structural changes, which it said would likely include discontinuing certain products, reducing its 7,000 strong workforce and cutting its office footprint. The company uh, has now said it will close offices in 14 locations, including Berlin and Singapore, pending employee consultation and reduce its office footprint to the remaining one uh, for the remaining one, including those in San Francisco and Bellevue. So basically get rid of uh, of a number of offices and make the offices that they still keep around a lot smaller. Employees will no longer be required to work from office three days per week while office based services will be reduced. So, hey, I guess you get to work from home if you get to keep your job at all. That doesn't sound so bad. I don't know, pour one out for everyone affected at uh, Unity. If I was working at Unity, best believe I'd be looking for a new job right about now. But the problem is, as you go get a job somewhere else, you don't know how long you're going to be there considering the brutal layoffs across the entire company. I don't even know if we're going to get to Embracer Group news today because, you know, they're just cutting people left, right and center all the time. It's hard to keep track. Um, But some companies are looking to pivot. Some companies are looking to play to their strengths, stick to what they know, and Creative Assembly is one of those companies. Sega says that Creative Assembly will return to genres it knows best after the Hyenas cancellation. If you remember, Hyenas was the online multiplayer first person shooter where you were extracting, you know, kind of items from the environment and taking it back uh, kind of like a heist sort of uh, first person shooter game. Now, Creative Assembly are not necessarily experts in that type of game. They are best known for making strategy games, real time strategy games. And Sega has confirmed that that is what they're going to go back to making. Um, If you remember, the Japanese publisher announced in September that it was canceling the game shortly before it was supposed to come out. And that was following at least six years of development on the project. So they took those six years and flushed it down the drain. Um, of course, uh, creative assembly suggested that the game was canceled due to ambitious plans and high competition in the multiplayer shooter space. I totally get it. Uh, during financial, uh, results, briefing, uh, uh, presentation, uh, that was held this month. Um, at Sega Sammy Holdings, a uh, president and group CEO Haruki Satomi stated that the developer was working on a genre it didn't know well enough, resulting in the game's cancellation and a number of redundancies. Makes me wonder, did Sega tell Creative Assembly to make this type of game or did Creative Assembly decide to do this on their own? Um so Tommy said each studio has its own strengths and weaknesses but the favorable winds of the early COVID-19 period Coupled with the strong performance of each title led us to adopt a strategy of accelerating more, even in areas where those student uh, where those studios have not tried uh, yet for further growth. This is maybe a, a rough translation, but uh, but this is what told said nonetheless. However, some studios did well and some did not. So we have decided to focus again on the strengths of each studio. To put it simply, Creative Assembly was good at offline games in the real-time strategy genre, but they took on the challenge of developing Hyenas, an online game in the first-person shooter genre. However, although although the game itself was good, we decided to cancel the development of Hyenas because we did not think it would reach a quality that would satisfy our users when we considered whether we could really operate this as a competitive online game for a long period of time so basically the development of this game focused around the idea that people would continue to play it for a long period of time and maybe not drop it after 6 12 18 months something like that and um whereas you know with the rts genre um you know People might play it for a long period of time, but it isn't designed typically to extract a lot of money, multiple purchases and things like that. Over that period of time, it is, is, you know, maybe developed in a more modest way. Assuming that players may only buy the game and then that's it. And then and then they play it right and 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 say what you will about the way that they sell games. But to me, it always seemed like if you were a fan of real time strategy games, if if you're a fan of those types of games. Creative Assembly were kind of one of the few companies still doing it and still doing it faithfully. So the idea that they were going to take on this first-person shooter genre uh, seemed like a, a maybe a bad idea from the start. Embracer Group has said that uh, we kind of talked about this last week. Uh, the Embracer Group has said that uh, Free Radical Design, the Time Splitter Studio, um, is facing closure before Christmas time. So happy Christmas to everyone involved. Um, yeah, we got a couple other news stories and then we'll 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 take a break. Let's get these through these these next two news stories and we'll we'll take a quick break. Might end up being a shorter podcast, but I'm OK with that. Um, Bethesda has confirmed the Fallout TV show is canon and its first official preview. I'm sorry. I have to tell you that uh, this is somewhat of a visual a news story. So you're going to want to look up, um, you know, basically the official pictures and stuff that they put out for the fallout tv show but they have confirmed that the fallout tv show does exist within the fallout timeline showed off a couple of pictures one is a uh what i believe to be a ghoul A ghoul is a type of uh, character in uh, a type of monster character mutant in the Fallout series. Uh, Some of them, uh, some of the ghouls can be humanoid in the sense that they can talk and they are not like zombies. And then some are just, you know, flesh eating zombies. Anyways, we have a picture of a ghoul wearing a cowboy hat. So, yeah. And um, I think. You know. Makeup and stuff like that on a TV budget can be hit or miss. I think this looks all right. I think like when I see this cowboy ghoul dude, I'm like, that looks like a character in Fallout. So, so far, so good. The Fallout show looks like a Fallout show. Um, It is going to be coming out uh, on Amazon Prime April of 2024. Um... And I think it looks good from everything they have shown so far. I think at elite, I, I like Fallout's a weird thing. You know, this weird mix of post apocalypse with like, you know, these like, you know, pre-war aesthetics, but also future sci fi as depicted, you know, from pre-war, basically like pre-war sci fi interpretations of what the future would look like mixed with, um, you know, post apocalyptic nuclear winter. Um, it's a weird series, and it's a weird series to adapt to a TV show um, because, in my opinion, the main plot of the Fallout games are some of the least interesting things about Fallout. I think it's more about the side characters and the, and the, you know, kind of the smaller discoveries along the way, the side quests, for lack of a better word. Um, but I'm willing to give this a shot. I have Amazon Prime, and I'm not going to give it up anytime soon, so I'd be uh willing to check out the show when it comes out april twenty twenty four Now, this is a weird news story. I almost sort of ran with this at the top of the show before everyone uh lost interest in listening to me talk. But um, Starfield is a game that some people like. Some people don't like some people hate, but I don't know how many people love starfield. Like I, we talked about the game of the war game awards, you know, uh, some time ago, I just can't imagine a scenario where somebody says starfield is the greatest game of 2023. I, I mean, some of those people might exist. Uh, some of those people probably don't get out much. They might look like a ghoul from fallout. I'm joking, but, um, yeah, I just feel like Starfield is a game that, you know, kind of it's a mixed bag. Let's say that it's a mixed bag. And um, the user reviews for Starfield on Steam continue to drop. The game is now at a mixed rating on Steam. Um, So. If you're on Steam, you can read and write user reviews of every game that you own. You have to own the game, whether you got a copy for free or whatever. Um and now it seems like the reviews have gotten to the point where some of the uh Starfield developers have started responding to some of the reviews. This is an article I've pulled from Gotaku.com. It reads the meta narrative around Starfield just took a very weird turn. Steam reviews for the sprawling sci-fi RPG. I wouldn't call it sprawling and it's not much of an RPG recently fell to mixed on valve storefront and now Bethesda employees are arguing with players in the comment section about why the game isn't as boring and soulless as some of them claim, here's the thing. I would describe starfield as as someone who's gone back and played more of it. I put a lot of time into starfield, and i most i i I have enjoyed my time with starfield. I'll say that I am not a defender of starfield, absolutely not, but I have enjoyed my time with it. Would I recommend it to a lot of people eh, unless they have game pass i I, I don't know if I would. But there are times where the game is pretty boring. There are times when the game is pretty soulless. And I like it despite of those flaws. So let's just get that out of the way. Um, Developer responses to some of Starfield's most negative Steam reviews were recently spotted on Twitter. User Juicehead uh, shared them online. Let me pull this up here. Um... So I don't have the user review in front of me. But I have a response. Uh, Bethesda underscore Falco, Yamoka, which has a developer tag on it, gave this response on November 9th. They said, Hi there. So I I don't have the user review, but here's the response to the user review. Uh, This developer from Bethesda wrote, Hi there. Thank you for taking the time to provide your review. We are sorry to hear that you were disappointed with encountering many loading screens while playing. This is in regards to the fact that while it is a game about traveling through space, letting on other planets on your spaceship, you don't actually spend a lot of time flying in space. You instead spend a lot of time picking icons off a loading screen and teleporting and fast traveling there, watching a loading screen in the meantime. So for a space and sci-fi game about traveling to different planets, you don't do a lot of that. Instead, you just mostly load up the locations from time to time. Hence why you see a lot of loading screens. Um, The developer continues, while there may be loading screens in between fast traveling, just consider the amount of data for the expansive gameplay that is procedurally generated to load flawlessly in under three seconds. We believe that shortcoming will not hinder our players from getting lost in the world we created. Starfield is an RPG with hundreds of hours of quests to complete and characters to meet. Most quests will also vary on your character's skills and decisions, massively changing the outcome of your playthrough. Try creating different characters with different backgrounds and characteristics that clash or are opposite of your previous character. You will feel like you are playing a totally different game. Put points and different skills from a character you've previously created and you are now faced with completely different decisions to make and difficulties to encounter. There are so many layers to Starfield that you will find things you've never uh, knew were possible after playing hundreds of hours. Even after completing the main story, your adventure doesn't end. You can continue on to New Game Plus to continue exploring Starfield and all that is out there. You can send further feedback to development here at a link. Never stop exploring Bethesda customer support. These aren't simple fact checks or brief comments. These are multi paragraph rebuttals that read like a potential Bethesda customer support person working off of a script. Uh, One of the quotes from uh, the user review said the story is as generic as it gets and the gameplay gets boring. And this is from a user who posted a review. to steam on uh, November 27th the user had amassed 75 hours of play time so they played Starfield for a significant chunk of time they said I wish there was a reason to even bother exploring planets and building outposts everything is fun until you do it once then it's all repeating then it uh, then it's all a repeating soulless chore um Other responses are much more pointed with Bethesda pushing back hard on criticism of Starfield's 1000 planet galaxy as boring. Um, Customer support wrote, we are sorry that you do not like landing on different planets and finding many of uh, sorry. We are sorry that you do not like landing on planets and are finding many of them empty customer support wrote uh in a user review comment section uh this is not like an email that like you know the customer reached out and said hey i've been playing this game i don't like it they just wrote this review on steam and the company responded uh saying some of starfield's planets are meant to be empty by design but that's not boring the rep then quoted an interview uh, with director Todd Howard, in which he mentioned that the moon is empty, but astronauts weren't bored when they landed on it. I'm going to tell you right now, playing Starfield is not I've never been to the moon and I might not ever make it to the moon in my lifetime. I'm 29. I don't know if I don't know if I have enough time left to make it to the moon, but I'm going to tell you something right now. Playing Starfield is not like being on the moon. Okay. Not even close. All right. Starfield is somewhat of an empty, soulless, boring video game. Okay, If I went to the moon and it was as boring and soulless as Starfield is, I would still be like, yo, dog, I'm on the fucking moon. Okay, I'm going to hang out with Buzz Aldrin. I'm going to hang out with, uh, you know, Armstrong, everybody. All right. Lance and Neil I'll hang out with both those guys on the moon. I don't give a fuck. Todd Howard really putting his foot in his mouth by saying the moon was empty, but astronauts weren't bored when they landed on it. That's, of course, assuming you believe that the moon landing was real. Anyways, another Beth, <laughs> we're going to keep going with this because it's this such a funny news story. Another Bethesda customer support response pushed back on a review, critiquing the game's mini loading screens for how they interrupt space travel. Um, Oh, this is the same quote that we pulled. Um, And then this is what we should actually get to. So uh, stream reviews can make or break a game's long term success on the platform, especially if they dip into the dreaded mixed category with less than 70 percent positive feedback, at which point the rating goes from blue to danger zone yellow. And Starfield recently crossed that threshold in a rush of new sales ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday weekend. But it's rare to see a studio actually push back against subjective assessments and basically tell users they're playing the game wrong, which I I definitely agree. Um, but it's far from a bad game. It's clear the long-awaited space RPG from makers of Fallout and Skyfield, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Skyfield from Fallout and Skyrim, hasn't blown away everyone like some fans might have hoped. Um, Kotaku's review lays out both the good and the bad. Um, but also the game was not, you know, really represented in the game of the year nominations, which I think makes sense. And, um, Apparently, the amount of players still playing it on Steam continues to shrink. So as reviews get worse and worse, the player base continues to shrink. It isn't an online game, so you can play it by yourself. But the other thing is, they haven't added new content. So, like, I've played, like, 100 hours of Starfield. I've not seen everything there is to do in Starfield. But uh, at some point, I'm going to move on, and I'm going to play something else. Even if I haven't put, you know, every planet through its paces and shit like that. Also, I'm going to tell you right now. If you've seen, I don't know, there's like a thousand planets. Um, Once you've landed on, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 planets, you've seen them all. No offense to no offense to uh, uh, Bethesda, but you can't fool me. You land on enough planets in Starfield and you have pretty much seen everything that that game has to offer in terms of all the planets you'll see, all the places you'll never actually get to. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Control, El Paso, Elsewhere, Halls of Torment. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. All right, let's do this for real this time. For real reels. Um, I finished up Control. Last week, I was pretty close to the end and then I finished it. I also went through and played the DLC uh, for Control that ties it To Alan Wake. Now there is some brief mentions of Alan Wake during the main game in control, but it isn't really until um you actually get that DLC where it's like you without spoiling anything, it's very much like yo dog, let's do some Alan Wake shit. So I finished up control, and I'm (sighs) I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you something. Let me tell you something, brother. If I'm being real, I'm starting to think that with the exception of like Max Payne, something like that, I might actually like Remedies games on paper more than I do in practice. Right. There's just between Alan Wake one and control. There's just a couple of things between those games that really get in the way of my ability to completely enjoy them. In the case of Control, I think it's navigating some of that environment. I think it's, um, you know, some of the uh, weird difficulty spikes in combat. I think it's how much combat there is. They know that it's a better shooting and playing game. So they throw what feels like a lot more combat at you, especially during uh, the DLC. And um, I just feel like in the case of some of these Remedy games, their reach is a little bit shorter than their grasp. Uh, whether it be mechanically, whether it be, you know, some of the storytelling elements like it's, they're really cool. They're really cool. And I want them to continue making great games. Um, but I have come out of Alan Wake one and control wishing I liked it more than I did. So that's why I did not end up picking up Alan Wake 2. I was very much gung-ho, like, let's finish Control, let's play through Alan Wake 2. Um, And I still plan on doing it, but I think I'm going to wait until it's at a significantly reduced price on the chance I bounce off of Alan Wake 2 for any reason. Um, Because, yeah, like, they set up some cool stuff, but then... In the control DLC, they introduce that lighting uh, combat mechanic that you found in Alan Wake one where you have to uh, flashlight, use a flashlight, excuse me, use a flashlight on the enemies to soften them up before you can attack them. And it's like, ah, that was some of the worst stuff in Alan Wake one. That was some of the worst stuff in Alan Wake one. I don't want to do it again. I don't want to do it in control. And I certainly don't want to do it in Alan Wake two. Even if I put the game difficulty on easy and all that stuff, so um, listen, I think controls pretty cool. I think controls a very cool game, and I think Alan Wake One is a cool game, um, but maybe not cool enough to get me to immediately jump on to Alan Wake Two, um, though I would like to see what they do with you know it's their most recent game. It you know it's you know controls a few years old, and and uh, you know Alan Wake One's even older than that. So I'm willing to give Alan Wake to a shot, but I'm just going to wait until it's quite a bit cheaper. So on paper, you know, control is very much influenced by things like X-Files and the Twilight Zone. And, um, you know, that sort of stuff with with action, you know, decent action shooter gameplay with crazy power ups and abilities and and a big wild, you know, environment to explore. Um, But what if someone took those influences? You know, what if someone was influenced by remedy? What if someone said, you know what? I really like the type of games that remedy makes Alan Wake, Max Payne control, that sort of thing. What if I tried to make my own interpretation of a remedy game? And that's exactly what El Paso elsewhere is. El Paso elsewhere on paper is like, "What if Mad Max was for the PlayStation one um in a couple of ways one, it is a the the art style I think it's a really nice looking game, but it is a very low polygon like there's you know not a lot of features to the characters when they talk you can't see their mouths moving stuff like that they're kind of blocky kind of you know again very ps1 looking um however the lighting is really really nice they have some really nice modern you know kind of tech in terms of you know uh you know particle effects um you know lighting and 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 depth of field and stuff like that so it's kind of like old school playstation one looking game with very modern effects on the game, right? It's not photorealistic looking dude, but it is really nice looking lighting. Set against a very polygonal looking environment. So that's why I would say even though Max Payne one came out of the PlayStation two, I'd almost say that this game looks older than like a Max Payne one from a polygonal uh, standpoint. Uh, from a lighting standpoint, it looks very, very modern and nice looking, so, though know, it doesn't have ray tracing or anything like that. So, El Paso Elsewhere is a third person shooter action game where you play as James Savage. And if you're thinking, wow, James Savage kind of sounds like Max Payne, it's what they're going for. And tell so, me if you've heard this one before. The main protagonist of El Paso Elsewhere, James Savage, is a. Dual pistol, slow motion dive, shooting, painkiller addicted. Uh, you know, sad man with mental health issues. Saw so me if you've heard this one before. It's very much, hey, what if we made a character that's a lot like Max Payne? And he does a lot of the Max Payne stuff. In fact, he kind of has the trench coat and like you know, kind of like you know, uh, outfit that Max Payne has worn in the past. So very much James Savage, um, you know, he is you are dual wielding pistols. You are jumping sideways, you're entering slow motion, you're rolling, you're jumping, you're shooting uh, in slow motion and you're taking painkillers to recover your health. This game is Mad Max, at least on paper, written all over it. But there's a twist. Uh, James Savage is a vampire hunter. He's not like, you know, a cop the way that uh, Max Payne was. James Savage is a vampire hunter, and uh, he has been brought to this uh, shitty little motel in the middle of El Paso, Texas, where the Lord of Vampires has put a plan in motion to end the world. James Savage this vampire hunter finds himself this pain addicted vampire hunter finds himself in the middle of El Paso, Texas, uh, uh, hoping to stop the Lord of vampires from ending the entire world. But there's a twist. The twist is made pretty early on. So, uh, I'll just say the Lord of vampires is also your ex-girlfriend. So you start to see pretty early on, That uh, while it the the gameplay is very much Max Payne shooting, you know, sort of things. You can see that pretty early on El Paso Elsewhere's, uh, you know, kind of influences go beyond just, hey, Remedy made Max Payne. We really like Max Payne, right? Because El Paso Elsewhere has a lot going on, like like in practice, once you play it. There's far more to El Paso elsewhere. Um, the the sum of its parts are are really what makes this game shine. What really makes this game special. Um, you get a couple of different guns. You get pistol. You get a pistol. You like dual wielding pistols. You get a shotgun. You get a newsie. You get an assault rifle, like kind of a Tommy gun. You get um, a couple of different guns. Um, In the game, and basically they're very linear, you know, get from A to B levels where you're running around shooting various creatures of the night. Uh, The the, the setup is that this uh, this motel in El Paso, Texas, has been taken over by the void. And it is it is basically made there's there's like physically on the outside, just like with the oldest house in, in control. The outside of this motel just looks like a regular motel. But, um, there is this kind of mystical, uh, elevator that's taking you from floor to floor in this hotel and it's twisting and turning and, you know, kind of warping the physical properties of this hotel, of this motel, excuse me. Um, while, uh, your ex-girlfriend, uh, Dracula, the Lord of Vampires prepares to take over the, the world and end it. Um. And I haven't finished the game. I'm really close to the end. I was hoping I would have it finished before the podcast, uh, but I have not had a chance to finish it yet. Um, But this game is amazing. Like, this is, without a doubt, one of the best games I have played all of this year. Like... This game is fucking incredible. The things that... You know, kind of the 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 things the the pieces of this game individually are spectacular, but the way it is put all together is so cohesive, so strong, so striking that I can't help but love it. Let let's let's kind of get into it. So, you know, you start off the game and you're in this in this motel, and it's very much like you're going from room to room, uh, wiping out. Um, You know, these various vampires and werewolves and other creatures of the night that uh, your ex-girlfriend has descended upon you. But it doesn't take long for it to become very weird, right? You'll enter into a bathroom and this bathroom has like like hundreds of toilets stalls in it. And you're like, wow, this is a really weird and big bathroom. And oh, every door in this, you know, every door in this bathroom is exploding because a werewolf is jumping out of this um of this bathroom stall to to kill me and, and there's pills on the counter and all this stuff. And um like I said, the the environments can become very warped and very twisted and very weird. Um uh you know kind of skewing from the actual physical properties of the motel. So you do get a lot of that, you know, flavor of remedy where it's like, oh, like the, the world of, of, of control and Alan Wake get twisted by the realities and uh, by reality and distortion and El Paso does that as, as well, but they're doing it with a variety of environments and not just that you're in an office building. It's not just that you're running through the woods, like in, in Alan Wake. this is like, oh, um. Again, an example is like I was in the motel and then I opened a door and inside this motel is now like this like ancient Egyptian pyramid tomb that I'm now shooting my way through. Or um, this like Victorian castle also has like a pre-World War II like meat processing plant in it and there's just a bunch of like frozen meat lockers that i'm shooting you know uh vampires in and and stuff like that and um the game does a really good job of of giving like emotional story context for why the environment is the way it is why it is shifting why it's twisting why it's turning um and uh, like any good noir character, uh, James Savage has a lot to say, both uh, in terms of inner monologues, both in terms of kind of fourth wall breaking, talking to the camera, talking to you, the player, though, they never like address like, hey, this is a video game. But like he there are times where he's like thinking you're talking out loud. And then in a the cut scene, he will turn to face the camera to finish his his train of thought and, and stuff like that. And um. The voice acting is incredible. The voice acting is so fucking good. Like it is, it is, it is like, uh, you know, James Savage, the, the character definitely slowly begins to lose his mind over the course of the game. In terms of, you know, being physically exhausted, fighting all these monsters, um, you know, reliving moments from the relationship with his ex-girlfriend. But it is so it's so raw. It's so vulnerable. It's so it's so effective. And it's not just his voice acting. It is the voice acting of the of the of Dracula, uh, of Janet Drake. Uh, He 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 meets her as Janet Drake and then discovers that she is actually Dracula um, and again, I'm not spoiling the stuff because the story is actually a very slow burn. Like they kind of get a lot of that stuff out of the way of like, he was a boy, she was a girl, but she was actually a vampire. And then they kind of very slowly get into the the disintegration of that relationship, of that romance and stuff like that. Um, and, and that's actually one of the maybe my one criticism is like they set up the game real quick. And then they take a long time uh, getting to, you know, a lot of the juicier, meatier parts of the game. Um, but uh, when those characters finally meet, like the 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 chemistry and the, the kind of the dialogue and the banter, and the voice acting between James Savage and Dracula is just so good. Like, it's just so awkward, like, you know, you know, ex-boyfriend talking to ex-girlfriend type thing. It's really, really well done. Um, the other thing about the the voice performances is you are often coming across um, audio recordings of uh, Dracula and uh, and James Savage, you know, during. You know, just moments in their relationship, right? So you're kind of hearing back these recordings um, and often, you know, Savage will will comment on the recording after he's done hearing it and stuff like that. And that stuff is really good. It really does feel like a moment in time being captured by these two in various stages of their, of their relationship. Um, they're all, you'll also come across, uh, like, radio ads and like really weird uh, audio recordings that are not between uh Dracula and James Savage like I heard one where it's like this guy singing a song about the Vatican like some like um vaudeville ask like jingle piano song about um, the Vatican and it's like it's incredible like it's like just this incredibly weird like like parody of the 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 Holy Roman Church and all of this stuff and um, the other thing is the music in this game is so good people have some people are gonna love it some people are gonna hate it I think it's incredible. It is a mix of of, of instrumental hip hop, of, of vocal performance hip hop, and also a mix of like alternative rock and electronic music. And it just it works so well. Um the other thing I'm gonna say is that the the voice actor, who is actually one of the developers on the game, the guy who voices James Savage is also a developer on the game, and this guy also raps on some of the songs in the soundtrack. Now I have a theory as to why he raps on the soundtrack, but I haven't actually been able to confirm it yet. Cause I don't want to, I'm not done the game. I have a theory that, um, that is actually the main character. I, I suspect that James Savage, the vampire hunter, the guy who is, Planning on murdering ki- well, not murdering, it's not really murder. If if she's a vampire, I don't know how it works. But the guy who is fighting through these demons and 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 werewolves, um, who's the, the main character who is planning on killing his girlfriend to stop the end of the world, I believe that he also moonlights as a rapper, and that is why the main character's voice actor also raps on the soundtrack. For some of the levels, this is what I suspect is that he's not only a vampire hunter but he's also a rapper. This is what I think anyways, and I think the rapping is 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 it's weird the the there's like a song about um there's a song where he's rapping about like human ice cream Sundays like oh, I got like eyes and i'm making a sun i got human eyes and skin and i'm flesh and i'm turning this flesh into a sunday and like it's weird and it works like it's it's really evocative like uh, some people are uh, I've, I've seen people on steam describe the rapping and the, mu- and the music as cringe and um Maybe it is a little weird. Maybe it is a little off-putting, but it just works like it, in a, in this scenario where this ex-boyfriend is slowly losing his mind in this motel as he fights demons and monsters, like rapping about ice cream sundaes made out of human flesh. Isn't, isn't that weird in the context of everything else in the game. And that's the thing is like, I don't think the game is weird. I think everything that it sets out to do from the the kind of low, the low resolution looking characters um, like the the low resolution characters would look bad if the voice acting wasn't dripping with just raw human emotion. If it wasn't so effective at being an incredibly well voice acted game, then yes, the part where the characters don't really emote that much when uh, uh, during their animations would be a bummer, right? But also the fact that they got this incredible voice acting performance and this really weird rapping, uh, from, uh, it's not even that weird. It's good. Like I, I would, you know what? I would probably listen to the soundtrack. I like rap, uh, and, and weird alternative rap and all this stuff. I would probably listen to the soundtrack, but, um, but more importantly, like it is evocative and it works and even some of the instrumentals uh are really really great as well. And there's a ton of, you know, uh moments where like the soundtrack really matches up with the environment that you find yourself shooting your way through and and all of this stuff. And um like I said, there's some really funny moments uh with, you know, James Savage's very dry um you know kind of observations on the world like there's there's times where he's talking to himself there's times where he's commenting on what's happening what he just did and a lot of it is that very dry noir sense but it is performed so well and there's some really incredible dialogue like the writing in this game is so sharp too um You know, when he talks about like the, you know, he's in the, he's in the, like, basically there's like this weird space elevator that takes him lower and lower into the, um, into the, uh, um, into the motel. And he's saying that like, since breaking up with Dracula, he's learned more about her than he ever did, um, during their relationship because, you know, she was so secretive. So, so, so standoffish at times. She had walls that she put up. Um, there's this really cool moment in the game where, uh, it's, a, it's a flashback of it, uh, it, it, through an audio log where James Savage is talking to Dracula. And, uh, you know, he seems like kind of a pop culture buff. There's an audio log where they talk about Transformers, where she asks him if the Transformers have sex, like how do the robots reproduce? Um, and there's also a moment in the game where James Savage is talking to Dracula and he says, like, so what do you think about Dracula? Right. And she acknowledges that like Dracula is not real, like the the pop culture interpretations of Dracula are not real because she is Dracula called Dracula in this in this game. But she is Dracula. And uh, she says that, like, I think it's cool. I think it's fine that, you know, all of your human be all you human beings interpreted Dracula as a man, as this as this, you know, as this guy. Right. They don't get into the Vlad the Impaler stuff. But you know I mean, that's. This game very much is interested in the history and the lore of vampires and creatures of the night and stuff like that. But there's really cool moment where she says, you know, that she's okay with humans interpreting dracula as a as a man because it means that her work as a vampire her legacy as a vampire has transcended her her sex and and her sexuality and it's she's transcended being a woman to instead being this this legendary monster Um, and she's okay with her being interpreted as a as a man, because what matters to her is her legacy as a as a vampire. Some really cool, really cool stuff like that. Um, in the game, and um, I think the shooting is I think the shooting is good. I think the shooting is definitely serviceable. Um, there's definitely a lot of combat in the game. That game is, you know, not really about exploring the environments and doing puzzles. It's about, hey, I found a key. I shot a bunch of monsters. I found I opened the door that was locked by the key that I found. I got out rinse and repeat the Lit the the levels, excuse me. The levels can be pretty uh, linear. The levels can also be pretty quick There's like almost like over almost 50 levels in the game so it is definitely uh You know pretty quick in terms of get you know get in shoot a bunch of monsters get out cut scene or maybe you discover an audio log and and stuff like that and um. God, I just love that game. God, it's just like from its interpretation of, um, you know, kind of failed romance and, and, and breakups and, and, and things like that, like to it exploring a variety of, you know, the nature, uh, na- the nature of, of vampires and, and, and Dracula and stuff like that to it just being an effective, you know, kind of gritty, noir, you know, character piece. Um, El Paso elsewhere is fucking incredible it really it really really is and i'm so close to being done and i can't wait to uh play through some more of it and and finish it up but uh that story is the story is so good the writing is so good the characters are so goddamn well written and voice acted um like the, the gameplay is what it is like it's it's you shooting monsters there is a twist actually i'll say this there is a twist so you can dual wield your weapons you can take pills to recover health um you can slow down time you can dodge you can shoot you can jump you can roll but there's also a stake uh like a, like a melee stake attack and um because you can sometimes be overwhelmed by various monsters um the stake is a one-hit kill but you do have to find You know things made of wood in the environment like I destroyed a piano and that had a stake in it Um, and that allows me to do a one hit kill but you use the stake every time you um, uh, kill an enemy in the game and you can only hold so many stakes you can only hold so many pills. The other thing I'll say is that the reloading in the game is fairly deliberate like if uh, you will probably waste most of your slow motion uh, energy, which regenerates as you kills monsters. But if you are reloading while in slow motion, you will basically be completely out of ammo as sorry, be, be completely out of uh, slow motion uh, power by the time you're finished reloading the gun. The game very much wants you to reload thoughtfully reload consistently and make sure you have a full you know clip of ammo before you start uh using your slow motion because you know he has to load the shotgun shells individually right he has to his pistols are dual dual wielded so he has to reload both pistols right um he has to uh you know you know cock back the uzi and reload the clip and do all that stuff when he uh reloads his uzi so It definitely can be a little slow to reload some of the guns you do get, like, I don't know, like maybe eight or so weapons, eight or nine weapons in the game. And you do get that stake in case you want to get up close and personal or if you're being surrounded by um, enemies. It also seems like if you if you stake the enemies and they're close together, you can actually multi kill enemies with the stake. So I've definitely done. You know, uh I've killed two vampires with one stake and, and, and two werewolves with one stake and, and stuff like that. Um but yeah, I don't even know what else to say. Like El Paso elsewhere is uh is just terrific. It's um it's currently out on Xbox and uh PC. I imagine it will come to PlayStation eventually. It's like twenty-five bucks. Um I am I wanna say it's like twenty-five bucks and it's about an eight hour. Ish long game. I'm about six and a half hours into the game, but I think it's roughly about a seven, eight hour long game, depending on um you know how quick you are through the levels. Uh for 25 bucks, it I don't think you're gonna find a better game for that price this year, honestly. Like if you're okay with like some Max Payne style shooting, like if you're okay with the game being heavily influenced by Max Payne, but then venturing very far off into being its own thing Uh, El Paso elsewhere is is unbelievable like I've I've loved I've loved individual pieces and parts of the game and I love what that game is as a whole I cannot recommend El Paso elsewhere enough that is one of my favorite games of this year And then finally, the game that I'm like kind of slowly picking at is Halls of Torment. Um, If you remember last year, one of my favorite games of last year, my game of the year, in fact, was Vampire Survivors, which is kind of this arcade action survival game where um, you are leveling up your character. Basically, you're going on a run, right? So you are between, you know, you start up a, a new game, you pick a character, you start fighting some monsters. And you'll eventually level up and unlock new abilities and new weapons. Um, But once you die, you have to restart everything over. But you will carry some upgrade materials, money and stuff like that into the next game to make your character more powerful. And all the torment is that it is a survival, you know, kind of action arcade sort of game. Um, The difference is, is that it is very much influenced by something like Diablo, um, especially down to the look and style of the You know characters the you know the environment the monsters even the menu system is very much influenced by um by something like diablo it's also dirt cheap it's like it's like six bucks it's in currently in early access so it's 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 unfinished um so i don't know um i don't know when it you know they plan on finishing the game but um Uh, halts torment is good and it definitely scratches my kind of vampire survivors itch i didn't end up finishing i didn't end up doing everything that i could do in vampire survivors partially because they kept adding more shit to the game some of it free some of it being dlc but at some point i was like okay i've definitely gotten my fill of vampire survivors and honestly i thought that like when i was done vampire survivors i wasn't going to play a lot of games like this but halls of torment has kind of pulled me back in i am blowing up skeletons and getting you know uh better helmets and 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 things like that and completing quests and It's cool, right? Because as you're going through the run, you're hoping that you can last as long as possible so that you can earn enough uh, gold to take it back to the the main menu where you can spend it on um, upgrading your character so that your character is stronger. The next time you start up that run, you will die, but you might last a little bit longer uh, in that uh, in that next round because you had 2000 gold that you spent to make yourself, you know, 10% stronger, 4% faster, whatever, um, for the next time around. Halls of Torment is a lot of fun, um, and I'm going to keep picking at that as well. But uh, honestly, for... You know, I don't know how much... I'll be able to talk about the games that I've been playing because I plan on finishing El Paso elsewhere and then getting way into uh, that Suicide Squad, um, you know, closed testing phase, which is which is on now. So, you know, in terms of what I'm going to be talking about uh, for next week. I don't really know we will find out but that is going to do it for glitch report i have been nitwit thank you so much for stopping by saying hi kicking it with me today on the stream you can find everything that i do over at my linktree linktree.com slash nitwit g-n-i-t-t-w-i-t-t twitch twitter youtube instagram all of that good stuff thank you so much for watching and we'll see you next week take it easy